This is meteorologist Charles Root. And I'm meteorologist Hannah Messier. And welcome back to third edition of Serious About Weather podcast. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing well. Yep. We had a beautiful day today. Uh, a few days ago, it wasn't quite as nice. I think we're supposed to get more rain on Thursday. Yeah, we'll talk a little, maybe just a little bit about that, maybe more longer range stuff. So we got stuff to talk about for today. First off, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the drought, drought conditions across parts of our area. Uh, especially in the central part of the Big Man. We'll look at the drought monitor figures uh, that were released last Thursday. New numbers are coming out tomorrow. So if you're listening to this on Thursday the 20th, eh, some info might be a little bit out of date, but still not expecting any big changes with that. Also a little bit about uh, the weekend cold snap. Uh, we'll probably see some temperature, well, likely going to see some temperatures rather uh, below. We should be seeing this time of year. And some of the, what well, we could see over the next few weeks. But Hannah Messier, she uh, covered some topics today about sustainability in Tallahassee. So we'll get more into the weather later, but some of the science and uh, environmental angle of things first. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you covered today. So today I talked with officials at the city, the city commission. Uh, talk to me about their overall plan for how to keep Tallahassee green. One that I found really interesting was this vacant to vibrant program. It's where they take uh, empty parts of their neighborhood and then try to use it for something new. And w one thing that they're using is that they're taking uh, these vacant lots and they're turning them to small urban farms. So like farms inside the city. So I thought that was pretty interesting, a nice way to keep the city, you know, having some cool farms. Now, how big are the plots? Uh, I don't, I don't know about that, but I know that they're 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 small. Okay. I mean, they're, right. they're 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 we're not talking. Look at that field. It's you <laughs> that know large field over there. <laughs> it's it's you know a little bit bigger than a garden. Okay, all right, I see. Yeah, and they also are going to start changing their fleet. They're going to get some uh, energy, gr green energy cars. They're slowly getting those. They showed me one today. Okay. They have uh, their first green energy car, and they're planning on, as their older cars die out, to replace them with these green energy cars. So the city is indeed working on making sure Tallahassee is a little bit green, and they're also talking about um, resilience. This means, like, if there's a hurricane coming to Tallahassee, what's the city going to do to help fix and prepare for it? They talked about um, how they're going to prepare for future hurricanes, we like making sure that all of the necessary tools are available for afterwards, such as like chainsaws for helping out the trees and things like that. So that was really interesting just to talk to the city about what they're doing environmentally. Okay, so... Um... Uh, you talked about hurricane mitigation. I mean, what are some of the things, what other top, I mean, you said just bringing chainsaws, more supplies, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. I mean, what about preparedness for, uh, to making sure that residents are prepared for the next storm, whatever that may be? He didn't necessarily talk much about that, but in terms of making sure what residents just need to pay attention to the forecast, make sure you know what's going on ahead of time, bring all of your outdoor furniture inside, things like that. Yeah. And, of course, follow the advice of emergency management in your location, you know, because they may have specific uh, uh, orders or requirements uh, for your spot, uh, whether you live on the coast or farther inland, uh, manufacture your home, so forth. Okay, what else? Um, he talked about how the city wants to have 
100% renewable ener energy by the year 2050. Okay. So that, uh, it, I thought that was really cool. I mean, technically, 2050 feels like a really long time away, but it's only 30 years away. And they have started to do that with um, solar farms. They said that they recently updated one of their sto their solar farms to 60 megawatts. So oh, wow. that, that, that was pretty impressive. Uh, good on the city for doing that. And they're going to try and have more and more of their uh, fleet be um, uh, green energy cars. Okay. Awesome. 60 megawatts. So they upgraded it? So they add, they add more capacity, different... I think the, the megawatts was uh, lower before. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. I see. That's, that's cool. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, what other what other topics they discuss about um, sustainability? Mainly, how important it is for like the city can only do so much. Like mm -hmm. how important it is for the individual to make sure they're practicing sustainability, mm -hmm. uh, you know, buying those uh, cleaner energy appliances. You know, uh, maybe uh, getting those uh, hybrid cars for yourself, not using as much of those gas vehicles. And you know, those are uh, those might be more expensive to purchase. But we were talking about earlier how they're actually easier to, in the upkeep. Yeah, uh, you know, especially not. I don't know so much about. I mean. With a hybrid vehicle, there's still a combustion component to Yeah, it. that's you know, true. I mean, you still have to get oil changes and whatnot because there's still an, a, a gas motor in there. Um, the, electric, the electric part is for if like, you're just sitting at a red light. You know, it's not guzzling up your gas. Uh, instead, it's using the uh, power from the batteries in the vehicle. It's going to use the, it's going to switch to the electric motor. Now. And it's funny, all of a sudden, weather department, we were talking about this a few hours ago, you know, we got in a conversation about uh, electric vehicles, you know, and electric vehicles are good, you know, overall. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you know, they're much cleaner. And some of the stuff, I tweeted this out earlier, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter, at CharlesWCTV. Uh, Climate Central posted something about uh, a pie chart basically showing what are the sources are for carbon emissions. A big source is transportation, mm -hmm. and uh, having a, a you know electric vehicle uh, would help you know lower those emissions. But the problem is so far is the infrastructure. We were yep. looking at some of the maps online, uh, specifically from Tesla, about you know some of the charging locations. There may be a handful in Tallahassee, but once you get outside Tallahassee, there's not much else. There are a couple in Valdosta. I think there's one in Perry. Um, maybe one, one, one or two out towards Live Oak, but that's it. Yep, yep, that is something to keep in mind. Though something that is a little bit interesting about the hybrid cars is that they can generate their own electricity yep. mm -hmm. while they're using the gas, so that it can, so you won't necessarily need uh, the uh, charging station. Yep, which was some, something that I thought was kind of interesting, and you know. A lot of car companies are really looking into this because this morning at the Florida Tech Day at the Capitol, I saw an energy-efficient Porsche. Oh. I mean, that, 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 there were a lot of people ogling the uh, uh, energy-efficient Porsche out there. Now, how many millions of dollars does that cost? Ooh, yeah, it is be expensive. But, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe to start, don't buy the Porsche version. Yeah. You know, maybe even get... If you can find... That's the thing I've looked, thought about, you know... Once my car's paid off and, you know, years down the road, I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to get another vehicle. Maybe even think about getting a used EV. 
That's a good idea. Because, uh, you know, you could, I mean, depending on how many miles it has on it, how long, how old it is, uh, it probably still has some life into it. Now, I spoke with someone a few months ago, uh, I think it was uh, at the Science Festival of Tallahassee. This was back in November, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I spoke with someone from a local EV club, and they told me about how uh, the maintenance isn't as much with an electric vehicle as it is with a combustible engine. Of course, there are no spark plugs, you know, there's no combustion along with it. I mean, there are gears, you may have to get oiled, you know, over time, but that's really about it, you know. Mm -hmm. And the battery cells, from what I was told, um, you may be able, you don't have to replace a whole battery if the battery goes, you know, starts failing. You can replace the individual cells, which is mm -hmm. a lot cheaper and something you can just do over time instead of getting the whole thing done. So, uh, that's, it seems like, you know, if that's the case, then... Yeah, it's probably not only just more energy efficient, more environmentally friendly, but also easier on the wallet over time as you mm -hmm. uh, as you own the car. Another way to do to increase your own personal sustainability is also you know recycling. A lot of people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, myself included, will be get lazy up oh, time to just throw this away instead of you know actually recycle it. But recycling is an excellent way to uh, help save the environment as well. Yep. Okay, so uh, any other things that they said at the city, you know, be uh, that will be uh, helpful for sustainability or the things they're doing, or the other things that people should be doing? Um, nope, that's about it. Okay, all right. So there's your environmental sustainability <laughs> moment for this podcast. Uh, on to other weather stuff. Now back in the more of the weather front, um, something we've been looking at uh, throughout the day today is some of the drought monitor figures. Now. Uh, based on what I saw a little bit earlier, you know, tapping away on my laptop here as I'm pulling up this data, uh, the drought monitor index uh, as of last Thursday, we're still seeing, you know, moderate drought conditions across parts of Leon, Wakulla, and Jefferson counties. Uh, of course, again, once we get to Thursday the 20th, these numbers may change and may not too much, but still, uh, they note in here the drought monitor uh, put out by uh, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln they noted in here, the east of Apalachicola River, dryness and the drought remain in the eastern sections of Florida Panhandle. Now, the area of moderate drought, which is here in Leon County, recorded five to, eight, five to eight inches below normal rainfall in the last three months. Yep. That being said, uh, we've had a good amount of rain this past weekend. Yeah. A lot of places got, uh, over, like Valdosta got 1.62 inches of rain with that system. That's so good. even, and of course, I don't, they're actually not in that moderate drought because they've been getting a little bit more rain than we have in Tallahassee, Jefferson, and Wakulla counties. Yeah, it looks like abnormally dry for, uh, which is D0, they call it here. Essentially, that's uh, D0 pretty much encompasses most of the Big Bend, you know, excluding the moderate drought conditions mm -hmm. in those three counties I mentioned. Uh, but it creeps in in our border southern Georgia counties, including Valdosta, as you mentioned, uh, seeing some, some helpful rainfall. But in addition, the normal dryness they write in here, uh, was expanding to much of the northern Florida Peninsula, where the last 30 days only brought maybe half an inch to an inch, uh, among the five driest percent of historic occurrences there. So yeah, we're still seeing overall dry conditions across parts of our viewing area. So we could use some more rain, not the deluge you're getting in the deep south right now, parts of Mississippi, Alabama, uh, and the like, but you know, some really helpful, we could use a little bit more rainfall, especially since uh, did a little digging, of course, 
we had about a 20-inch deficit for 2019 here in Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. And last I checked, we are about close to four inches below average uh, year-to-date, 2020 year-to-date. So it's hack on that. It's 24 inches of rain almost. Yep. Below normal since January 1, 2019. Not 2020, 2019. So we still have a lot to catch up. Uh, yeah, yes. hopefully we do start to see more of that rain creep into our area because we definitely need it. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but we could see some rain as we get, definitely is rain actually as we get to Thursday. We have that, uh, that, that system moving on through, help push a cold front across our area. And then, yes, we'll finally see some uh, more rainfall, better rain totals you get towards South Georgia, maybe not as much down the Big Bend, but it's something uh, to add to the total uh, in the near term. But then we get really cold. Yep, uh, we're going to be way below average for this time of year. Granted, I told my mom it was going to get cold in Florida, and she started laughing at me. But that, that, that's okay. We're going to be decently below average. So this weekend, you're going to want to bundle up, you know, make sure you don't go outside without a sweater unless you want to be <laughs> a little bit chilly. Unless you're, unless you're brave, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, looking at what we are supposed to be seeing for this time of year. Now we can see those temperatures get close to the freezing mark for at least one night uh, this weekend. But looking at what we are normally should be seeing for this time of year, once we get to, say, uh, let's say today is the 19th, so around late February, we really should be seeing lows in the lower 40s, maybe getting in the middle 40s mm -hmm. uh, as we get to the end of the month. With those highs getting close to 70 degrees. There are a few days we're going to be below average. Uh, not near the records. Just throw off some records here. I think the coldest, uh, let's see, the 26th of February, coldest in Tallahassee was actually in, uh, let me see if I can get this uh, right, 1974. I got the 17 degrees. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's actually pretty cold. Yeah, for, I mean, back where you're from, I mean, it's about a normal... That's, that's cold in South Dakota. Like, it's not cold after it's been, like, zero degrees for a couple days. Then 17 degrees is a heat wave. But in general, <laughs> 17 degrees, people agree, is pretty cold. Yeah, especially around these parts here. Now, um, usually the 20s and the teen, upper teens, usually the records that are set around, the, around at least Tallahassee, uh, for this time of year, late February... And then we start, you know, seeing less of those. We start getting in the low 20s for record territory and early March, which is, of course, well below. We should be seeing normal lows in Tallahassee in March. You're seeing those middle 40s. Now that's the average. And see those highs getting in the low 70s, which... It's not what we're going to be seeing this weekend. No. Definitely bundle up if you have any uh, plans, especially during the overnight period into the more early morning hours. Uh, so, yeah, definitely keep that in mind. Um, so now, thinking a little bit farther in time, it wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of give you guys a heads up. Of course, there's room for error. Usually we look at stuff that the Climate Prediction Center posts out ahead of time uh, to kind of give some idea what we could expect beyond the seven-day forecast. These are usually based on long-term climate models. Mm -hmm. That, that's how we generally forecast these. So they're definitely not quite as accurate as you would have the, that seven-day forecast be. But they do show general trends pretty well. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're looking at, you know, six to ten days out. and now Actually, Alaska looks like they'll be the only ones above average in California. So people, Parts be jealous of, of Alaska for once. I know. 
<laughs> they had it cold for a while recently, and now they're starting to see a little bit of a chance of above average temperatures. Now, the way they, 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 the way they listed on here, the probability, the odds of seeing those chances, and it looks a little bit lower for us six to ten days out, and then but a better chance eight to fourteen days out. And it's looking like, from what I've been reading and looking at some of the guidance, we have certain atmospheric. Um, I don't want to, you know. Uh, cause a little bit of confusion, but basically teleconnections, if you will, atmospheric oceanic interactions that kind of uh, give us some clues what we could expect. And essentially, we're going to be seeing the chance maybe a couple days for a, at least maybe one cold air outbreak uh, as we get into, uh, let's say, the end of February. We could see temperatures close to maybe what we're expecting this coming weekend. Uh, but, uh, I mean, of course, there's something could change, but nevertheless, there's a chance for some cooler weather, uh, even as we get to the end of February and start the beginning of March. So, and this cold snap isn't just for Florida, the, almost the entire, uh, 50 states of the U.S., except for, you know, Alaska, is seeing those really frigid temperatures move in. So we're going to be cold here, but just... Uh, the Rocky Mountains is actually where it looks like you have the highest likelihood of having those below average temperatures. And on the plus side, it looks like our precipitation chances are going to go up a little bit as we head into the 6 to 10 days. So that's, kind of, that's something to look forward to. Hopefully that can help that drought. And, you know, that drought has been getting a little bit better. Yeah, and uh, Climate Prediction Center is, you know, thinking, you know, the chances of that, you know, as we get some kind of uh, presence of a surface front hanging around. So sometimes these fronts that hang around the, a region, they provide, you know, another element of lift, giving some, mm -hmm. good, some good rain chances in the and of course, it's not etched in stone. The, the odds don't look that great, but, it, you know, it gives you some hope, at least. Maybe just a little bit of rain. You know, yeah. We can do some of that, uh, especially uh, this time of year. Um, so, looks like, uh, so, in essence, sustainability, cold temperatures coming, and maybe some cool temperatures uh, on and off over the next uh, week or two. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be our weather in the short yeah. term. <laughs> All right, well, that's all we really have for this short episode. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks or so, uh, give another uh, edition of Serious About Weather, more focus on our area, of course. Uh, so be sure to subscribe to our podcast, uh, give us a review and a comment if you wish. Also, um, uh, be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, we follow our main uh, Twitter account uh, on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, WCTV Pinpoint Weather. And also follow us individually on socials. We'll be giving up weather updates and so forth throughout time. Uh, you can follow me at, uh, at Charles Roop WCTV on Twitter. On Instagram, it is Charles Roop WX. And I'm at Messier WX on both Facebook and Twitter. Okay. All right. That's all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back later.